You are now listening to the Open Canvas. Open Canvas. This is Taj Alexander. I'm here with a very special guest. Um, we were walking on the way over here, just talking about how we've known each other for, or have seen each other around for maybe more than a year, maybe a couple I feel of like years. Like two or three. Years. Two or three years now. Yeah. Um, After 2015, it's just like time's flying. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Definitely, man. And and it's interesting because we would just always see each other just mainly out on the street or on the subway. Yeah, you're um, on the subway. Actually. Yeah, and I think y'all were shooting a video at one time. Yeah, and the then, note the type video off of the album. Right, yeah. right. And I just kept bumping into you. Um, yeah. And quick but, like, good conversations every time we would connect. Yeah. And I think that was just sort of just built on a foundation of just mutual respect, you know? Definitely. I think that was definitely the, the foundation of everything. Before, even like I was saying, listening to the music, I knew you as a person. Yeah. You know, and I yeah, think that right. sort of, like, you know, made an impression on me. Um, and just, yeah, just, you know, apart from that as well, just, you know, being a, a quality human being, I feel like the music is just a, a reflection of that. I appreciate that, yeah. you know? Um, and it's just dope to sort of see how you've developed over these past few years with your, your group efforts and now, you know, your solo work. Yeah, man. Um, so, yeah, we'll get into all of that. But without any further ado, please introduce yourself, man. My name is Lansky Jones. A lot of people call me uh, Canal Street Drake. You know, it's like it's like it's like you, you ever you ever go to um you ever go to Canal Street and um the um fake rollies yeah 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 and like from afar <laughs> they look like they look legit but mm. then you get closer like, ah, it's a little fucked up it's funny mm. in the light <laughs> and that's how I like to say it. yeah and I didn't even coin that it's just yeah so it's like you know like because growing up as as a as a light skinned person I guess like you get compared to every single fame popular light skinned person of the time right cause it's been like. I mean, in high school, it was ridiculous. It was like yeah. Chris Brown. That was the Chris Brown era, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It was It was like not as like, you know, taboo. Because if somebody could compare me to Chris Brown now, I'd probably get very offended. Right, you know, right. Because of situations. I'm against what he, yeah, right, exactly. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, but I, I would get Lloyd Banks. I would get, uh, <laughs> yeah, you name every light-skinned dude. like Queens. Where, where specifically in Queens are you from? Um, I'm from, uh, well, I, I live in Regal Park. Mm-hmm. Um like, but it, like Forest, it's technically Forest Hills, but it's right by like like Left Rack, like okay. that little bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and um, yeah, it's like um, my side is like a very Russian. What's called they're called Baharian. They speak Russian, but they're like Southern European. Mm-hmm. Running, they all know each other. Like they're all somehow like even kids like I went to junior high school with. Like this one dude. I went to junior high school. It turns out that my neighbor is his cousin, so I be seeing him all the time. It's like a real community. Yeah, like, yeah, in the yeah. truest sense. So, so you grew up in that area? Um, well, I, yeah, I moved to Queens when I was 14 years old. From where? Um, Rosebud Island. Okay. That's when my mother remarried, and then yeah, I, spent, I actually went to the same junior high as like Action Bronson and Ma'am Loren. Okay. You know, little little. Uh, local celebrities and whatnot. So you're you're probably one of the few New Yorkers who can say they had an experience living on Roosevelt Island. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so so what was it like like even like spending early years there that you could remember? It's it's interesting because um I was kinda spoiled like culturally like on Roosevelt Island like you for know, those who don't know it, Roosevelt, like for a non-New Yorker, what is that? Because oh, it's, it's 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 this little island, it's a two-mile island between um, Manhattan and Queens. Um, it's a two-one-two area code, but I don't know. It feels more like Queens or like I don't know. It's weird. It looks, the place looks like Holland or something. 
and it has like weird like because it became residential in the 70s so it has like this weird like 70s decor yeah, yeah. like what they thought the future would look like in the 70s <laughs> and now it, it looks dated yeah, now it looks wild dated so but um but it's, it's, it's weird looking now, I lived in this complex called Eastwood which is on the Queens the Queens side of um, Rosewood Island mm. so like well, yeah so it was I, I say I was like kind of spoiled culturally because you know I grew up around people from everywhere because you know I've said this before but I had um friends whose parents worked for the UN I had friends you know, one one of my friends, his, his mother was the lunch lady. Like, mm. you know, so I, we had like sec, we had Section Eight, and we had um people who made over 100k a year. But it was cool though, cause like, I um I got to experience like all different facets of life. And then when I moved to Queens, it was kind of like a, they say it's like a melting pot. It's like the most diverse you know area in the world, mm-hmm. but it's very um segregated. Mm. How so? Um, cause like. You'll, you'll find that like most neighborhoods are a certain kind of demographic like a certain ethnicity stays in this side of Queens or this area mm-hmm. and it's more ethnic enclaves it's, uh, en- is it? you say enclaves yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> and also I dealt with like the first time I ever dealt with any kind of racism probably would be in Queens mm-hmm. you know like that's the first time I heard people say like maybe it's because I'm mixed or they, they feel like they could be a little looser with it but they'll be like oh this one kid was like he was describing the neighborhood. He's oh, that's a black neighborhood. It's a bad like a bad neighborhood. You right, know what I mean? Right. That's the first time I heard stuff like that. Mm. And then the first time I came to realization with my own race, like, was when I moved to Queens. Like, and it was crazy. It was kind of um, I didn't realize it was such a big deal until uh, you know. But it's also like a coming of age thing because when you're a teenager, also is when you kind of figuring things out. Figuring things out. Yeah. Because yeah. before that, I don't really. I don't really think about stuff like that. Right, true, you know? true. So, so for you, man, like school, like was it? You know, I, I went to St. John's, so I was yeah. near the Forest Hills, but it was still like it was Utopia Avenue and yeah, the Q forty six exactly. Yeah, yep, yep. It's like the Q forty six, the Q Gardens, and then Q Gardens into the city. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I spent one year in that area, but I I definitely see what you mean in, in regards to like certain neighborhoods, sort of like maintaining certain like cultural identities yeah right um and you know definitely but at the same time i feel like you know it was, it was definitely like interesting just even being exposed to like a bunch of different restaurants right, you know right, like right. that's something for me like yeah. I, growing up in upstate new york you know there wasn't as much diversity in regards to like literally walking down the street right. and literally like passing by four different authentic you know cultural cuisines of different countries yeah you know so what was that like for you just even like sort of being exposed to all those different cultures that early on well um i never found like any culture to be weird or like i i I never looked at culture as foreign you know what Mm. i mean i just looked at it as all right that's that's what they do yeah that's what this group of people does or what what they eat mm. you know what i mean because i'm also who am i to judge you know i'm yeah. also a half i mean i'm a mutt myself so it's like i i, I never I, nothing ever like shocks me or mm. like certain delicacies and stuff like that i just you know i it's weird because i no one had to ever teach me like to appreciate people for the differences and it sounds mm. so corny to say that you nah. know? it's not like i'm trying to win a win an award <laughs> but no nah, but it's like yeah. no one ever had to tell me that ever like and it's weird when you know like I, just growing up like just being around like you know certain white people and they try to do this thing where they they try to make the other cultures seem more relatable to them so they can be 
kind of picking these up. And I, I just, I just think that's so. Like, oh, well, we, like earlier we said, we were talking about like names, you know, sort right. of the importance of names and how like, you know, right. we, we, you know, no matter what culture you come from, should be, feel comfortable, especially in America, like yeah. saying your name or your yeah. full name, or and, and sort of like not, sort of like compromising that, you know, for someone yeah. else, just to make them feel comfortable. Exactly. You know, so so like, do you feel like you you sort of even saw that or just like oh, hell yeah, like yeah. I'm Roosevelt Island, like you know, I had. I had one friend who was from um, Yugoslavia, but his name was Hervoje. He didn't call himself Harry or nothing, but it's like Roosevelt Island was like, you just had to learn people's names. Yeah. As crazy as they may be to you or sound to you. Mm. And I I also like, I mean, you're wearing a a Spreewell jersey. Um, I mean, I don't know if you know, that was one of my favorite players. I mean, yeah, it was like Spreewell and then Alan Houston, who's like a completely different personality. Completely polar opposite. Yeah, but still, but still, you know. He'll, he'll, he'll put up a quick 20-30 you know yeah, if he wanted yeah. to but yeah man I you know I grew up a Knicks fan um, for you was it necessarily I mean, we were talking it wasn't necessarily playing sports but you like appreciated um, yeah I was never really I was honestly I was never really good at sports but that stays between you and I um, <laughs> but um, I would play like you know I would play especially on the time Space Jam came out I thought I would like I would just act out the whole thing like yeah, oh. of course. But I would I would literally play as like a dude who lost all his powers. <laughs> I remember one time I was doing that and then this kid came up to me. Um, I don't even know if I should say his name. Nah, you don't have to blow his spot. Nah, was, well, well, but he's my man now. My boy, my boy Simmons. He came up to me. He was an older kid. Like I was in like fifth grade. He was in eighth grade. Yeah. He was like, "Yo, can I play?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> and he punched me in the face. He took my ball. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, I, f- I feel like, um, at least for, for me, you know, I grew up playing ball most of my life, but um, for me, I guess sports was my way to just sort of connect with people. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like playing ball, even like, whether it was, you know, playground ball or organized, I feel like it was just my way to connect with friends and meet people. Right. Um, but yeah, man, I feel like, you know, especially during that time period, I feel like since, you know, it's before smartphones and before... Mm-hmm. Really, people were even on the internet like that. You really you just go out and play like two hand yeah. touch or tackle football. If, you know, if it was on the grass, you know, on the grass. Right. You know, I ain't. I ain't was wild <laughs> like that. Yeah. I play a lot of football too. Yeah. Yeah, and just even little league. Like, really? Yeah, we're in a little league. Actually, shout out to my boy Toasty Ramirez because he, he be down. He's the only. It's crazy because yeah, I got reacquainted with one of my boys from Rosebud Island mm. when I started chilling down in the downtown scene. It's yeah, Toasty. And uh, he'd be all over and shit. So it was crazy, like, because we, whenever we chill, like, we getting drunk and just talking about Rosewood Island. Yep. It's like we speaking another language. Yeah, yeah. Because yep. nobody knows what that, you know, anything about it. Yeah, so. and, and it's probably even more special because, like, you guys are the ones who, like, share those experiences. Yeah, hell So, yeah. yeah, you could talk to someone else about it, but, like, I didn't live that experience. Yeah. So, like, there's some things I can only, like, understand halfway, you know. Oh, but, no, we could talk about specific yeah. people. Someone's father. We talk about <laughs> this nigga Rodney. Right, who, right, right, who right. He told me right, to how to, how to, he tried to teach me how to ride a bike because my father was kind of whatever. He kind of, mm. he kind of uh, prairie dogged his way through my childhood. You know what I mean? In mm. and out. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but like, yeah. Now Rodney tried to teach me how to. Shout out to Rodney Parker. <laughs> so like culturally, man. Like, what were you sort of like just into? Like, was it mainly just sports, or were you also like music? Or so that when I was when I was a kid, like, yeah, I was, like really little, yeah. I was like, you know, I was the only child, was, like in the video games and drawing. Oh, and, like, of course, you know, yeah. I guess you would say nerdy shit. All right, know. what games though? Like, what system were you on at the time? Um, bef- well, the first system I, I remember my. Nah, that's that's gonna date me. I'm not even. Nah, gonna say you it. don't have to. I mean, hey. <laughs> nah, but um, 
Well, anyway, my Wikipedia age is 24, but um, <laughs> we um, my my uncle Scott um got me a Nintendo, the original Nintendo. Yeah, I think it was around the time Super Nintendo came out, mm-hmm. but I, I ain't have it yet. Whatever, but. Um, he got me the Nintendo with Duck Hunt and Mario. Of course. And with the gun and all that shit. Yeah, that, yeah. I, that was the first system. And then after that, it was Genesis for a long time. Yeah, I started on Genesis. Yeah, that Genesis was like my, my first shit, system. Yo. Yeah, Sonic. They're doing that Sonic movie now. Yeah, they, I know, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how, do, how do you feel about that? Did you see the preview? I didn't. I actually didn't want to see it because it's like... They, they it just, holds a certain place in my heart, and it's like yeah. I just don't know what they're gonna do with it now. You know, they, they just like they, the way they made like Sonic's body. He's like he's like he's like Hussein Bolt and shit. Like it looks weird. Like really, and he's wearing like Converse. Right, 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 right. But um, yeah. I mean, like it's, it's some of it looks like they took on like, Jim Carrey's playing Doctor Robotnik, which is okay, interesting. So. Okay. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what's up. I'm not even going to talk too much shit about yeah, him until we'll, I see it. Yeah, we'll reserve our judgment. Right. <laughs> I don't know, man. Just like, yeah, video game movies don't have much of a good track record. Cause I remember I saw the Super Mario movie shit yeah. when it came out. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's also because, like, the demographic. Like, we grew up with those things. Yeah. So, coming out now, it's like, we're adults now, so it's a different experience. It's yeah. not like we're all, like, kids going to the movies again. Yeah. So it's like, it is a dim- different demographic of kids this is being marketed to that right. haven't had those childhood experiences. So they have to get them in touch with, like, the even, like, they're introducing right. them sometimes. Right. Intr- yes. Yeah, maybe yeah. some people's first introduction to, like, you Kids know. might be weirded out by Sonic. Right. right. That looks kind of crazy <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, siblings as well, or is it just yourself? Well, my bro- I have a brother who's from L.A., Mm-hmm. And um, that's my my pop side. Yeah. And um, we're five years apart. Mm-hmm. And then um, I have my brother, um, on my mother's side, who's we're sixteen years apart. Yeah. You know your your brothers were they younger than you or older than you? Well, well, Tre- well, they both younger than me. Okay. Well, Trev Trev is um five years younger than me. Yeah. And um, yeah, Ian is um sixteen years younger than me. So okay. it's, it's crazy. So he's in high school now. Yeah. And um. He sold his soul to Fortnite, man. It's like, <laughs> crazy. Like they, my my parents just went out to uh to Italy and they brought they brought Ian, and he was having a miserable time. Like because he like, couldn't play. Yeah, I'm like yo, like, and I told I told my mom like I'm I'm kind of tight. Like I never got to go to you know Italy or anything like that. Like he's like yeah, well you know we didn't have it like that. You know you went to you went to Disney World so. <laughs> it's a little yeah. different from, yeah. from Orlando, Florida. Though. Yeah, yeah. So for yourself, man, like yeah. you know, when did music come into the picture for you? Um, I'll say like I think for most people, most kids, like um, like around seventh grade. Yeah, like that's when I really. But before that, though, like I remember my first cassette was um. Damn, if you can think, I'm forty years old. Nah, you nah, you good, you good. My first cassette was um, Life After Death, and um. I got the bootleg joint from him when mm. he used to have the, um, you know, like in Midtown when they used to have the sheets out and everything. Of course. But um. So what was it like when you first heard that that album, that record? What did what did it do for you? Actually, no, it was Puff Daddy and the Family. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then when I first heard um, all about the Benjamins, like, <laughs> when I first heard, well, first thing I really like remember, like my first first remember, like first time I remember any kind of rap or anything, was um. Cause my uncles, well, both sides of my family from Rhode Island. Yeah. So um, my dad's side lived in the same complex as my mom's side. So I walk over there to to uh, 560 on the fourth floor, 
which connects with it, whatever. Anyway, he um, my uncle was playing um, what's the scenario? Yeah. And I remember the first thing I, I remember hearing was uh, that rah rah like a dungeon dragon. That's why I would tell my uncle, like, oh, play that dungeon, play the dragon <laughs> song, the dungeon dragon song. Yeah. And that and um, what was it um, Diggable Planets? Like, mm. Cool like that, mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, those are my first memories of that of, wow. of, rap, of rap in general. And yeah, I, I loved it, but it wasn't it wasn't like my main thing until like seventh grade. Yeah, and that's when like I, my uncles were always kind of like my um, my coaches as to what was like, what 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 made that what made what was. Like what was good? Like they set the standards for what was good right. music. What was? Oh, you should you should listen to this. You should listen to that. So they schooled me at a young age. Like I was listening to like raucous records and um, sound bombing and like right. you know most deaf like black on both sides. Um, what else? You know, like well, I mean Elmatic. I mean yeah. I mean all the classics. Um, in seventh yeah, in seventh grade is when I really started listening. Yeah. Like, before going into seventh grade, actually. Right. Like, I'm assuming that your your family sort of put you onto this music and sort of had, like, you listening to other things prior to hip-hop as well. Yeah, I listened to everything. Yeah, what, what were some of fucking, those? <laughs> it would be anything. We fucking, like, weird shit. Like, give me, like, fucking when Coolio dropped that song. Right? Oh, of guess, course. Or, like, fucking Weird Al or some weird shit like that. It wasn't even, like, because I, I always like comedy, too. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I liked the Adam Sandler movies a lot back in the day. Yeah. Like, when I was in the nine to my nineties, and I watch them now, I'm like, I like it really. <laughs> <laughs> Which ones were you into? We we more. On, I like, was oh fucking Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Shit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought it was the most the funniest thing. Like it's so interesting. It's just, it's just yeah, those types of movies aged. You know. Yeah. Did, did they age well? I don't know if they did. Well, now you have Judd Apatow's man. He's like the uh. new. Wing of that shit. You ever see Happy Gilmore? It's been a while, but I do remember that. He kills an alligator, and then, like, I guess his mentor, this old black dude, dies, and he's like, at the end of the movie, he's looking up, and they're all waving at him, and the alligator's waving at him, and <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. It was just like, I, I just it was like, an interesting time. Like it was an interesting yeah. time, you know? And I had, um, the first time I ever recorded was actually, it was like some comedy thing I used to do with me and my cousin. This is the first time I ever told anybody this shit. Okay. But we had this, um, we had a group, like, it was me and my cousin. Um, he um it was called Moronic Monkey, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, um I was I was really good at branding even back then. Yeah, because right? the first album was called Sitting on the Toilet. <laughs> that's why I came up with my best ideas. Yeah, and probably to this day, man. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And I just found that disc somewhere in my crib. <laughs> and I was just laughing. I was like, I'm never gonna play this again. I don't even want to hear it. There's a bunch of kids running, jumping up and down and shit. Mm-hmm. If you just use the Microsoft recorder. And shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, um, so flashback. So to take it to like when I started rhyming was um, well in seventh grade, like yeah, I, this teacher stepped out of the classroom in English class. And I just started rapping. I was like a class clown. Mm-hmm. I was rapping my stupid shit, and then people were like, "Oh, that's just fire!" And I was like, "Really?" Like, All right, I just, <laughs> just playing with around it. with it. And I was always always into like writing and poetry and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, "Oh, it makes." Sense. I mean, I didn't even put two and two together. It just it was natural. Right. Like, it was just fun for me. I used to pass rhymes around. We used to pass rhymes around the class, <laughs> and like pass it, you know. Like, you know, this was before te- texting right. and shit. Right, right, I don't right, even right, mean to right, date right. myself. I'm just on the <laughs> fucking roll. But, um, yeah, we, we would um, pass little rhymes, like, bringing rhymes in class and shit. Right. And um, that shit was, 
And I got I got pretty good with that. It's and then, exciting, like, right? Like yeah. Just, yeah, just like even like sharing an idea with someone and then it, like resonating with them. They're like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, that's 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 bars, right? Yeah, there. You know yeah, what I mean? like, yeah. It's crazy, like that feeling you get. Mm. It's like instant gratification. Mm. Yeah. And then um yeah we start we was doing that shit online like you know just, the messenger just yeah. like <laughs> yeah do that shit. I, I yeah I was definitely Every, like on the, the aim chats like literally putting down like you know a, cu- a couple bars yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and going back and forth with like it. chat rooms and shit chat man. room battles almost yeah. it was a real thing so so yeah mm-hmm. I do understand and and, I, and it's so interesting because like you may not even realize it but you were like laying some foundation to your skill yeah. and like honing some things that you didn't make at the time you were just like it was just having fun, fun like, with yeah. it but like you, you were realize also, yeah you know people say like you know you got to put work into whatever you want to pursue and shit but it, the thing is like the, the work they're talking about it doesn't feel like work exactly you know what i mean yeah yeah well sometimes it does feel like work when it's like writing 16 to a beat you might not like or something like that right you know, and you get really the, the the best type of shit comes out in like fifteen minutes. Right, right. You know, whether you're making beats or you're an illustrator or whatever it is you do. Like I realize that, like, yeah, the, the when when something is like just pen to paper and it just comes out, it just spills out. Mm. That's when you get the best product. Like when you're thinking about it and re-recording and doing all that, it's usually it's probably gonna miss. Mm. You know. So at the time, what were some of like your your what was your content? basically what were you talking about was it just like your everyday life or? when i first started or just yeah just how much better oh, you it, were than everyone else <laughs> it was that and also like doing drive-bys and like shooting shooting of the club you know it was just like crazy right it's like the walls, it's like, crazy what? but the words rhyme so it like yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. It was like yeah because i just outlandish and it's funny though because like all my friends like we talk about like what we first rapped about and it, at first we were like yo it just came so much easier it's like yeah because we were writing about whatever the hell we felt like you know what <laughs> i mean like it just didn't make no sense right right, right. talking about smoking smoking drove you know? <laughs> didn't even know what Everything that was, was drove. right Joe was not it's not even the strength like <laughs> yeah just, what was that like what was drove? it's just hydroponics it's yeah, just how like, it's grown come like, on like <laughs> we didn't know what the hell we were talking right, about right 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 like yeah you know it's like a it's like a rite of passage in, mm. in like New York I feel like you just rap about like doing wild gangster shit it's a rite of passage you know, <laughs> you know it's a ridiculous like stupid shit just getting into mischief you know what I mean and you'd even think like at the time like the goal was to say the most outlandish thing to get you to listen oh back to then listen. Yeah, it's Big L and shit yeah. Big L pun Some, like demonic shit yeah but like stuff that like literally it's like obviously it's not true but like yeah. it sounds crazy yeah. it sounds amazing at the Big same Yo's time like what that. like yeah, Big Yo said some things crazy. like yeah but at that time were you thinking of wanting to record some of these things or were you just happy sort of being able to share these rhymes and writing with your friends it's weird because like I always had this thing where I just liked it it sounds really weird but I, I, I like narcissistic but I always like to um, record like I just like the idea of having myself recorded mm. and then I realize especially after like my pops out I realized like oh, I, I, I became became obsessed with like documenting things mm. you know and like and it's evolved into like me documenting things from a, a brutally honest perspective yeah because then yeah. like God forbid something happens to me or you know decades from now whatever like mm. years from now when i'm not even you know i die whatever old age or whatever yeah um i have something here that's like cemented you know what i mean yeah. people can always refer back to it and not only is it a documentation of that i existed but it's it's a moment in time that's honest and it's not like 
bullshit. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, you have them tell it and talk about, you know, like in social studies class, oh, Chris Columbus, this, that, and the third. You know what I mean? Like, that ain't my history. Mm. But yeah. that's the shit we taught. Yeah. So, I mean, even on the way here, like I was even mentioning, I feel like even without all the different types of outlets and things that are out there, it's like sometimes we can't wait for for people to document our stories whether that's individually or as a culture yeah you know part of the reason why i even you know started doing open canvas was sort of for that reason it was like my community of friends and people that i appreciate their work there's so many people that like need to have their story documented you know and i feel like sort of waiting for like publication a or publication b to sort of do that for us Mm -hmm. um you know that that that's no longer like you know we have there's too many stories to tell so we yeah. can't just wait for them to tell our story it's they, like we have to do it ourselves and they usually have their accent on the wrong syllable you know I mean? <laughs> yeah yeah it's like it's, sort of, it's like we we're, we're actually the the best people to tell our stories right. because we we know our language we know our culture right we know our people you know so it's sort of being able to tell our stories makes the most sense right um so yeah man i, I definitely feel that and and also in terms of what you said in terms of just being able to document like life in those moments to say you yeah. were here i think that's also super important because really like we're, we're like we're memories you know right. we're, we're living memories now like you know yeah. after today after we leave like we'll have these memories that's of today of recording you know right. in our minds so like you know anything that we can do whether that's even through like visual audio like even our music yeah um documenting our life experiences and the people in our lives yeah um that's what's going to last and that's what's going to last long beyond us uh, you know? so then yeah. let's go back about like you know yeah. like i wanted to um document these after my pops dies because like mm. i have to like really like dig for any kind of mm. you know like you know, new pictures or like like new pictures as in like pictures I haven't seen you know or or that I forgot about or my yeah. pops or especially video like yeah. he's in like one or two movies but you know you don't, you don't have a speaking role so mm. but you know so I forget how he sounds and I forget um I don't know I just would want to show like further gener like later generations like oh this was yeah your, you know your grandfather Danny Jones or whatever. and that's why I actually I kind of did that pro- mm. process for him on um because i um on track i think it was tracks uh six or seven you know, whatever yeah but um return to danny jones that's why mm. i the song is like honest and it's um it's a metaphor for like um it's a it's a relationship i was going through at the same time it's um symbolic of how my pops and my mom was like um and how we treated that relationship and um, that's why it's called the return of Danny Jones. Like mm. maybe I'm just like him, um, you know. Like he used to call me a knucklehead. Like you know, what, like <laughs> yeah, I mean stubborn, like, <laughs> but um, like kind of stubborn in your ways and stuff. And that's how how my pops was, which is very frustrating. But I called it the return of Danny Jones for that reason, and also mm. so then like you know when people when people listen to the album, and I I know it's a great body of work because yeah. it's honest. And, yeah. When, so when people you know listen to it they'll know who my pops is and, or get a piece in him right without him being present wow you know what i mean wow yeah so. that's that's real that's real yeah. man it's like I, I have nothing to say to that that's how like i i respect that man thank oh, you thank for, you man. thank you for even sharing that I, I appreciate that you know i feel like that's sort of like the goal and, and even with um like within like the black community i feel like um yeah. Our our ancestors or even like um, our grandparents, great grandparents, like 
you know sort of the importance of the the stories and the memories that they have right um it's important for us even at our age mm-hmm. to to ask you know for those yeah. for those of our, our our relatives that are still with us just Definitely. to even ask questions um because we, we gotta even think it's like you know it's not even something that they probably even experienced like their you know grandparents telling them about their stories right and their memories yeah. and, you know and then once you know they pass or pass on yeah. um you know those memories are, are with them that in order for us to get them we have to ask them while they're still here yeah um you know so that we can at least you know get in touch with with some of our history you it, know it's crazy because like my 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 pops is his father's side of the family and his his father um kind of like dip when he was young so in the, in the, in 1990 um my mom was about to you know the, my mom was in my pops about to um split mm. Um, she got him in touch with his dad's side of the family and his father, mm. and like he met all these siblings that you know he didn't know he had. Know he had. They all look like and it's crazy though, because well, I say that to wrap around to Dangerfield because I'm um, mm. at the Fool's Gold. Um, uh, I had a, a Fool's Gold in store um, for Dangerfield for the yeah. merch, and um, my pops. You know, dad's side of the family, they surprised me and I hadn't seen them since my dad's funeral in 2002. And um, it's crazy because they all like have his mannerisms and shit. <laughs> and um, so that side of the yeah. family, ever since the album dropped, um, has been in touch with me again. Wow. Wow. So um, I have this song um, called Arizona. Hmm. Um, it's the last song on the album and I'm talking about childhood. And I'm like, uh, one line on the second verse, I'm like, around the time Uncle Mark may collect calls. And they sent my nigga Eric to the group home. I ain't have it as so I ain't have it that bad as far as kids go. Though my pop slid out like baseball. So like Uncle Mark, like he was um in prison at the time. And he just actually just we got reacquainted like because of the album and shit. Wow. And then he, he said he listened to the album and he was like, you know, I was listening to um Arizona and I heard you talk about that one, you know, collect calls and everything and it just made me think about everything and like Man. i should have been there more for your cousin and, and you mm. and it's not there you know because he, he was dealing with um he was just well, i know he was like dabbling in sales and shit but at life. the same time he was life. um yeah you know he had a crack um mm. a problem you know crack cocaine and shit for like all, pretty much all throughout the 80s and 90s and shit yeah but now he's clean he's been clean for like uh I think for the past 16, 17 years. That's real. Yeah. So not, but it's cool like that. He's he's here, right? Like, right. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, yeah. and, he, and he and he listened to that, mm. and he was like, it connected with him. And yeah. I, and, and same thing with a lot of the other shout outs I do on the rest of the album. Like, at the people who I wanted to get it or mm. to feel some type of way, they they felt it. They received that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow, man. That's that's so powerful. And I think that's also just the power of music. I think that's what I do. For yeah. Me. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's healing. You know. I think it's it's like individually healing, but also like relationally healing as yeah. well. Like um, you being honest, like you were saying earlier, just that honesty. Yeah. Allows other people to sort of like be honest with themselves and right. with others at the same time. So it's like, yeah, man. It's like I, I think. You know, you even sharing that just shows the power of your music. You know, I think that's that's like what you, you say you do it for. It's like being able to have those real moments 
um, to share them and then also to like you know it creates even more real moments after the, the record's out you oh know? yeah <laughs> yeah I want it to be like a, like um, I, I strive for like a, like a timeless body of work mm. I mean time will tell whether yeah. it release times but yeah. I know that well I know for me the formula for something timeless is just has to be honest and it has to sound good yeah you know, for music yeah. at least or it has to be a good production or a lot of work put into it mm. from the heart you know what i mean but yeah and that's one of the things that i appreciate about about it too it seems like you know along with the content it's like the production and you know just how you your your ear for music is is also just very high quality so it's like it's, it's very rare that you have both, you know, it's, you know, the high quality, but also like the message being so laced with truth. And yeah, like, it has to honesty, be like a good you know? balance. Of yeah. Two things. Yeah. If so, it's just honest, no one's going to give a shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, hard to it's say, but like, yeah, it's, it's got, it's got to hit a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it has to be, you know, you got to have like, you know, have fun with the, mm. um, the hooks and, um, mm. I just I want to have I wanted the, the lyrics to be layered like an onion mm. and shit. But on the surface, you could listen to it one time and be like, "Oh, okay, that shit is cool. That's a clever line, whatever." Mm. But then you go back and like, "Oh, he actually it's a triple entendre." Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? And then you have some things where it's like, like you're saying, it's like meant for maybe only a few people to even understand. Yeah, but and not then, too much. Of right, it, right, right, right. Mean? Yeah, like, but but it's like you you, you still can like. You know, layer messages that way, where like the the, the general audience can get it one way, yeah. but then it can also mean something else to someone else. But say um, like you had like you know like say I talk about how like you know I sent my boy to the group home like um, my uncle was making collect calls, meaning you know he was people who are dealing with that kind of situation mm, in their life, mm, they'll be able to understand what yeah. that what I meant by that. I didn't say he was in prison; I just said he's making collect calls. Right. So then right, like right, people right. who don't know what that means. That's fine, but it's people who have actually dealt with something like Those that. They know that you, you know, you get that call. Right, know. right, man. Yeah. yeah, man. I feel like that's. I, I'm really enjoying this conversation because, like, I feel like. Yeah, man, like what? <laughs> I feel like that for for those who do listen to to you know your music and to others. Um, I think it's great for people to even hear a little bit behind the, the mind behind these, these rhymes and like the the mind behind some of these like thoughts and concepts of yeah. the records, um, because. You know, I think it just adds even more complexity and depth to, to what you put out there, man. I think it's great to sort of see how you do that. But you think it's better, like, sometimes to, like, just not say anything mm. and just let people interpret themselves like a Basquiat painting? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, I mean, there's, there's a place for that. And then I people think. pick it up for, like, millions of dollars. <laughs> right, sure. right, right. Yeah, man. But but I think it's it's also beautiful that you can sort of, like we said, just, just document this. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you know, 10, 15 years from now, you know when people are you know listening to these records and also like you know maybe hear this this conversation as well it's right. like it's gonna help piece it together for them yeah um and then just add to to the legacy that you've already been creating man so i i really appreciate you even sharing you know a lot of the things you are man i mean that's, yeah i feel like that's an artist um you have to take that chance you have to be yeah. vulnerable in order for what art's intended to do is mm. supposed to resonate or strike a chord yeah you have yeah. to be able to shed a layer of yourself mm. in order to do that like i was only able to it's like my personality and who i am is a direct um reflection of the art that i make and yeah stuff. so i was only able to like make music that i feel like resonated with some people once i was able to resonate with people because i was not i was very like closed off for a while right you know what i'm saying and then um once, once I realized, like, um, actually, the, the, the person I'm talking about on um, Return of Danny Jones, like, 
once uh, I dealt with that breakup, is like a time when I have my first time dealing with heartbreak. Like mm. you feel, you know when you know when it's the first time. Of course, you feel it. of course, yeah. And then um, all the other ones are bullshit before that. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like it's crazy. You think everything you was in love before is shit. Once I had that, you know, that safety net taken away from mm. me, that was like. And my friends, you know, I was in a relationship. My friends were like kind of like distant, and I don't know. I was going through like a funk and shit. And yeah. So I realized I was like, damn, I'm. I would always use like the group as a safety net. Like you know, I wasn't very social or going out there on my own. Yeah. So whenever the group went out, I would you know I'll go. I'll be like the ma- like magic school bus trips and yeah. shit with all of us. <laughs> but now I didn't have that, so I was like, yo, let me. Just, I'm gonna just go out on my own. You know, just find myself and shit and yeah. once I did that and I started talking to people more than just like a high and by and like right. whatever shit right and actually started connecting with people usually bartenders yeah <laughs> like therapy. you have some great conversations the at the bar yeah, yeah and then sure. that's when um, that's when I found out who I was as an artist as well mm-hmm. before I would say a bunch of cool cool lines and shit like they would sound cool but it's like they're not gonna hold up cause they're not there's not much depth behind them because yeah. I'm not attaching my pers- my um, sincere like emotions behind it right. you know what I'm saying it's just right. like cool shit yeah and, I, and now that you even say that like I can actually hear that now I feel like um, you're you're very conversational in how you you MC I feel like um, it almost feels like you're having a conversation with yeah. the person who's listening yeah. and um, yeah it comes across like very much like you know a listener is getting to know you yeah. Or, you know, even in your I'm humor, glad, you know, glad. I feel yeah. like it's, it's very much your, your sort of like layering parts of yourself, even in your humor in your mind. Yeah, you know? I try. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if I try to, but it's just like <laughs> it just happens. It's not even like a thought. <laughs> I know when something is too like someone is a cool bar when I was working on Dangerfield, when someone was just a cool something was just a cool bar, mm. like uh, face value. I was like, yeah, whatever. That's that's all right. But it's not. It's not personal. That's like some mixtape shit. Right, you know right, what I mean? right. Like it's I want it's a light bar. Yeah. I want to be able to have like the uh, the double entendre or metaphor, whatever, mixed but mesh that in with something personal. Mm. So you get a piece of who I am mixed with that. Right, right, man. You right. know, but not, and I know this is like all cerebral shit. Like, and I'm, not I'm every, enjoying it, man. <laughs> but not everybody's gonna listen to, to music for that that type mm. of shit. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I know when somebody didn't really listen to the album because they just be like, oh, yeah, it was cool, whatever. But right, right, at least right. even if you listen to you, I know you really listen to it. If you even if you don't say it was like fire, amazing, but if you said if you had questions about it, or right. you said like, oh, well, you said here, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. Yeah, it's like it's like you know when your music is like uh, resonating with someone when they when they have questions or when mm-hmm. it's sort of they they even like bring their own life experience to it, like yo. Right. Like this, this is sort of how it resonates with me, yeah. um, and and I think that's sort of like it's just a testament to how, how you're creating, man. I feel like you're sort of creating like like you said timeless pieces of, of work. I'm trying. I'm yeah. Trying. No, no. I, f- I feel like it's it's very much like you know like evergreen. Like you release it, and then like a year from now, it's not going to sound dated. Ten years from now, it's not going to sound yeah. dated. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I just try to. I try to make. I try to use this formula for mm. it, and I'm just going to see if it, you know. Yeah, man. It actually, yeah, it's like a marathon mentality. Through. I feel like the old marathon. Exactly, man. For those who do know, you know, you're also part of World's Fair. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like that's also important to talk about um, in regards to how you guys sort of collected as a group. Um, when was that, and sort of how did that happen? 
We, um, well, me and Nigel went to um, Frank Sinatra together, which is a fine art school. Yeah. Where um, is that specifically? Long Island City, but up now it's in, off of Steinway Street. They they have like a new space. Like, okay. Well, it's not that new. It's like two. They've been there for like three, four years now. But actually, like the Planetarium. But at the time, <laughs> well, Frank Sinatra was like two years old. I think when by the time when we when we got there, and. Uh, we were in the fucking um, LaGuardia building, like one of the LaGuardia buildings in Long City. Yeah, it was like a little rental, whatever. Yeah, and then we moved to the Fry building, like a couple down, a couple blocks over, and then, uh, but we met. So we met in Frank Sinatra, and um, we were both in fine arts, and um, we were like class clowns and shit. Really. <laughs> like we were like we were like weird art kids at the yeah. same time because all the departments had their own niche. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, like the act, the kids in drama were like real, like they were like the quote unquote popular. You know, right? They didn't have any weird quirk. Well, maybe they had quirks, <laughs> but you know, like they're always in front of people because yeah. they're performing. So it's like they like the band kids were very like introverted usually, mm-hmm. and like the dance chicks. You know, a lot of them was bad as hell. <laughs> but now, nah, um, so um, did y'all just connect them. on music, or was it just nah, like we connected on our friends? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we connected on some friendship and then like, cause we would just like do a lot of stupid, we would just like be joking around all the time, us and a, a group of um, friends, like we would call, we started this whole thing called Our Friends and shit, like, <laughs> but it was like ironic cause it's just a corny thing to call like a group of, you know, the our kids, we call, um, we call it Our Friends and shit, <laughs> and we had like a whole like, we would just be cracking jokes, doing like basically we'd be trolling before the word trolling. Yeah, existed. before that even existed. And we used to, yo, we used to do, but we also used to try to make money in that school. One time we made, um, we used to sell mixtapes, and then after that, what we did was we took it to the next level. My boy Little was, was um, he was having a, um, he was having a kid or whatever. It was crazy though, because he was like the. That's the first time I've ever like experienced like some like teenage pregnancy, you know. Right, I mean? right, right. My boy, yeah, my boy Little was having a kid and um so what we did was like me, Nigel, my boy Tom and like a couple of my other boys, um, Kervin, we did a, we made this um <laughs> without him knowing, like we were recording him. <laughs> And like we made a documentary about him, wow. but it was like, but, <laughs> wait, what? yo, but it was it was over the, it was crazy, bro. Like we really went in, like it was a documentary, like an hour long. Wow. But it was like we would, I, I interviewed like all my friends and shit, like all all, the, all our people and shit. Yeah. But we would just make up stories about him and shit. <laughs> And then we would have we I put like a music like music in the background like, like a whole score I used like some bed. of the Marvin Gaye Trouble Man soundtrack <laughs> it was so dramatic yo. wow and I wow. narrated it theatrical like yeah yeah, yeah. But the crazy shit was like I was actually I was I was a freshman in college at Hunter yeah yeah but these kid these dudes were still in you know senior right, year right right so like I narrated everything and I, I we did a lot of crazy like. Not very PC shit, like. Right, right. So then, like, they were selling it in the in in school. Wow. But I was already, I was good to go. Yeah, I was in Hunter. Yeah, I was yeah. not in the school. Yeah. And they got they got in trouble and they actually got suspended. Wow. For selling that shit. Wow. And they brought they, <laughs> it was terrible. Wow. In the first like, uh, we do you still have like do you still have like they one had in to the watch archive? it. Yeah. Oh, what? they had to watch it. <laughs> They had to watch it in front of the dean. And like oh they were, no! Wow. They were just like bursting out laughing. He was like, he was like, oh, well, the dean was like, who was that talking? And the other guy was, uh, who was he? Like the, the 
assistant principal some shit. Oh, that's the, you know, that's that's so and so. I didn't sound like seen my room. <laughs> um, and they were like, yeah, oh yeah, he, he just graduated. I'm familiar with him. Like I was like, I, like they had a case. Like they right. were building up a case. On right, me right. Wow, wow. But um. Those are memories, man. Like, yo. And you say you still have one of those. Yeah. Those, it was I on a CD. Dog, or the, it was on a DVD. A DVD. I, yeah, I yeah. made like a DVD menu for it and wow, everything. Wow. But a background. What was, was the name of man, this? It was called Little. It was the story of a man. <laughs> and it was the stupidest shit ever. And like he was holding it on the front. Like it looked like one of them. You, ever, you remember like DVDs when they first came out? It would have like a weird like blue tint or some yes, shit. Yes, like yes, prime yes. drama. Yeah. So it was like Little's, right? He had like... <laughs> He was holding the gun and shit, oh, and it was like the gosh. New York skyline behind wow, him. Wow! And then I made a DVD cover and all that. It looked wow. like Carlito's way. It was, wow! It was crazy. You could bro. probably like submit that to like Netflix or something, man. You might there might be an opportunity there. <laughs> I don't know if they would, <laughs> they jump on it. I don't know about that, but yeah, but um, <laughs> I try to I was like an idiot. I try to sell it to my film teacher. Yeah, like, nah, but I'll take it though. I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> No man, but I feel like those are like the the memories, man. Those are the, like oh, the yeah. things that you remember and sort of they they'll live with you forever. Yeah, you know. And I feel like, um, you know, sort of the story, like Little's story. Now I know his story. You know, just a little bit. Yeah. You know, and it's I feel like this type of conversation is very important for yeah. that. You know, I feel like being able to sort of like even document through conversation these moments. So yeah, man. So Nigel was also a part of this as well. So yeah. So anyway, like yeah, <laughs> Nigel was yeah, he was probably like I guess executive producer. No, no, no. He would just collect the footage. Like, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And then um yeah, we just we, we just did things like that. Like mm. we were with me and Nigel always doing like stupid creative projects mm. for no reason. Mm. And we throughout that whole time we, we both like, you know, rapped. He was taking them more serious at the time. Yeah. And um it's so in tenth grade, like we started we started rapping together, like he was in another group at first and then um that kinda fizzled out and then we started um this little duo or whatever. And it was called Diverse Avenger, which sounds like a multiracial superhero. It's a stupid <laughs> name. But um so then we yeah we started like working um rapping together and i think senior year and he mm. was in junior year we met cody mm. and then cody was in children of the night and then he started recruiting mad people it was like seven people we had two vocalists in the group <laughs> and shit and then he recruited remy then me and cody had a fight and then he quit and he just left remy the group so <laughs> it's like we, we had just gotten acquainted with remy yeah. but then like turns out like you know yeah. The work, you know, Good and it people. just ended up being the three of us mm. being children at night. Mm. And then, you know, Cody was still rapping, doing his own thing as Prophet. Mm. Um, and he had his other peoples, which is essentially like their, that side of Queens, children at night, essentially. Because it's like, it's like Cody, Jeff, and Prince on one side, like the Jamaica side. Right. And then on like, we call it like the Spanish side of Queens, like here, Corona, <laughs> Regal Park, right. you know, a flushing, you know. Forest Hills, um, that was me, Remy, and Nigel, and um, so eventually, like, we all came together. We was all we was all going out in the, um, you know, the night New York nightlife scene. Yeah, this was towards like the end of my college days. And um, um, 2009, we had a children. I had a, a mixtape called Where the Wild Things Are, and one of the songs I say, um, well, he's on Prince is on it, and mm. all the all the dudes from World Series on it. Yeah, and I say, um. And one song I say I just show off my trade in Queens, the modern world's fair, and then um, uh, you know we were trying, we were in a group chat. We we're like, what the hell are we gonna call this name in this group? Mm. 
we had terrible names. Like yeah. I, I said on another even on another podcast, I'm trying to think of other <laughs> Oh, Cody had this terrible one. It was called Vintage Irish. I was like, what the fuck does that even mean, bro? <laughs> yeah. I, I had yeah, yeah. I had Queen's Day, which sounds like a Queen's boy band. <laughs> so but then um I was like, Oh shit, what about um World's Fair? Mm. I mean, like, yeah, that's, yeah, and that makes perfect sense. It makes so much sense. Yeah, because yeah. it's all like we look like the fucking embodiment of the seven train, like the human body. <laughs> yeah, so, man. I mean, and we all sewing off our crafts and mm, shit. Mm. So, um, yeah, and it's a collect. It's it's really a collective. It, um, it's people made it into like a group, and then we mm-hmm. kind of ran with that. Right, people. right. Even though we had like children night already, and that was already doing good. You know, I actually got us overseas and everything. Yeah, but um. Yeah, I, I don't know if that, that's yeah, uh, that that's, answers that question. That's amazing, though, man. Yeah, and I feel like that's also uh, very special to see because you know I feel like you know you you guys are all f- like grew up in New York as well or yeah. in the city in general. Um, I feel like Queens, yeah. Queens, and and I feel like being able to have that, those stories of like you know people all growing up, maybe not directly like growing up since like young together, but just sort of. You know, well, Cody, men. Jeff, and Prince actually grew up on since they was children. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just feel like having those experiences, um, and then also like coming into manhood sort yeah. of around the same time as well. I feel like that just sort of adds to to that legacy. Yeah. Um, and just that story of how you guys built this. And, yeah. You know, I feel like now, like you know, having your your project and even more so. You know, showcase you know your more of your thoughts in your mind. Yeah, it's just great, man. I just feel like you guys have sort of definitely organically sort of you know started something that again, like you said, is that wasn't like intended to be oh, no. this group. It's just like people sort of acknowledge that yeah. you guys sort of you know, moved as a unit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and even because um, I think the last time I saw uh, most of the group together was at um, Remy's joint at Fool's Gold. Yeah, uh, right, his, right, the right. release for his project. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, seeing you there as well and just sort of, you know, this is great just to sort of see, you know, over the years how you guys have sort of, you know, built something that that's, you know, standed the test of time. Uh, it's, a bro- it's a brotherhood. So it's like, yeah. even if like, you know, we can go years without coming out with an mm-hmm. album or something mm-hmm. like that, but we're always going to be, you know, helping each other, kind of like pushing each other along. Definitely. You know, or if, you know, and even just chilling or whatever, like it's just always going to be like that, you know, have, we have like internal fights once in a while, but you know it, it always you know it's, that's my brother so definitely definitely man you know yeah it just took me a while to actually showcase why you know mm. what i wanted to put out there because mm. I, I would i would always put everything else in the forefront like yeah. you know, i work on other people's projects within the group I, you know in my in, in a cave called the, the packet yeah then we you know like i worked on a bunch of projects like almost yeah almost all the projects and um i didn't really know the same time i was also using that as a crutch because i didn't know mm. i didn't know who I, you know i didn't Still know figuring it out i wanted to yeah yeah right, yeah yeah no definitely i had pieces of it right you know right. what i mean mm. and then it took me this long to come out with danger field mm. because and i'd always start on a new album like on an album like oh, i'm coming out tell people i'm coming out with an album yeah but i didn't know what the hell i was doing mm. so mm. you know so it all came together definitely man yeah. definitely and the timing always works out I feel like you know this was the time for it yeah. you know and um, you know as well you know I mean we we're talking about earlier production as well yeah. um, it's just great to also see how you're just sort of like you know using different ways to sort of just like as outlets to sort of like get out these ideas and these like you know yeah. creative thoughts that you have man so how is like so when did you start producing was that also in tandem with you know oh no I started producing um 
just recently really okay like, yeah I, after especially like i was kind of dabbling in it before like before the album yeah. like during the whole world's fair thing but like i didn't really figure it out yet yeah but now it's like uh, i said to myself like uh, i'm gonna get into production like when i'm finished with dangerfield right because i'm knowing myself like if i i can't focus on a bunch, bunch of things at once or else nothing will get finished <laughs> nothing will get done yeah you know like um so as soon as Dangerfield was done, I just started, you know, fucking with Ableton, and now, like, I don't know, man. I'm working. Like, <laughs> it's feeling I, good. <laughs> it's hard for me to lead a crib now, man. Kind of like it more than rapping. Man. Yeah, uh, no, that, that's good, man. I feel like you know, it's yeah. it's it's great to have these like multiple outlets, cause like, at least for me, just from my experience, like having something else to pour my creative en- energy into. Yeah actually sort of re-inspires me in the original thing I was doing so like yeah. you know it may even like right. sort of help inform the music even oh, more, yeah. you know and, and, and so yeah I feel like it's it's all going towards the right the right direction yeah you know? I mean I've always been into like like I, I would act because I would annoy producers I was working with because <laughs> yeah. I would be like oh no, no can, you, can you make it sound like this right 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 and right. then like Paul Wilson the dude that did um executive produce Dangerfield yeah. like he was like yo dude like you just need to, the next step. You just need to, mm. you need to produce because mm-hmm. you're not telling me what you wanted, kind of wanted to sound. You're telling me exactly what you wanted to sound like, right. and I'm my own producer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'll, he said he's gonna help me with that. Mm. So he's kind of been doing. He's kind of been like, um, I'm kind of like his protege. Right, right. No, that's real. Yeah. I, I feel like that's that. I, I've experienced that too. Yeah. Um, like where it, me it was like with video editing. Yeah. You right. know, it's like. Initially, I would have like you know a friend who's a video editor help me with something. Right, and you send over their shoulder and shit. Yeah, or just like you know, I see something, I'm like, all right, I I know what I would want to do here. Yeah, and like, it, I want this transition. Right, this right, and it's it's just like a lesson and sort yeah. of like if there's there's certain things that you feel like you have an exact eye or ear for, mm-hmm. like it's worth learning those fundamental skills so that you can Absolutely. literally get those ideas out. You yeah, know, versus and you don't gotta trying, wait for nobody. Oh yeah, or feeling like you have to sort of like say it a certain way to get it done. It's oh, like, like in a nice way. Yeah, yeah just get. The the skills learn learn the skill set yeah. and then start getting those ideas out because like yeah. there's a probably like a, a a wealth of ideas that you have right that, like you know That's, we all have yeah you know that it's like it's just waiting for it was to just come waiting out in. and now it's just like boom yeah I'm just like on a exactly clockwork exactly. yeah that's it man yeah but yeah, I, man. I i feel like we can keep talking but I, we also got to end the episode so. <laughs> yeah but but man i, I really want to say thank you for like thank just you, yeah you, you shared so much man and I, i'm appreciate appreciative of it all um i feel like you know just even seeing how danger feels a project has sort of been you know released and and how you're also sort of you know venturing out into other projects and other things that you're going to be doing yeah i feel like it's just great man I, i'm you know just let you know you know as a friend just seeing you over the years definitely been nothing but consistency and respect so I, I just see that you know in the future man so thank you man absolutely i appreciate you being on the open, open canvas, canvas yeah. <laughs> yeah man so how, how can uh, you know everyone find your music uh, the new album everything um you can type in um lansky jones l-e-n-s-k-y j-o-n-e-s on uh, any of the streaming platforms danger field should pop up or just type in danger danger field um i'm on all social media i'm just lansky jones and that's it and that's that you know real man um, yeah alright man well big respect and once again I'm Taj Alexander with my friend here Lansky Jones and we're out peace to find out more about The Open Canvas hit up our website theopencanvas.com also stay tuned to our Instagram at The Open Canvas and for any questions or inquiries hit up my email Taj T-A-J dot at gmail.com 
This has been the Open Canvas, produced by Taj Alexander.